Hey there, and welcome to the daily podcast where wisdom smacks us with kisses or love taps. I'm Michelle Spiva, a wisdom strengthening coach, your host, and practical priestess of wisdom. Join us daily to gain wisdom and mental strength as we tackle innovative thinking, address emotional and behavioral life traps, and yes, provide you with some practical how-tos to wrap it all up. So settle in or crank up the speed 2x, whatever gets your mental processes firing as we dive in. Stay tuned. Hello, this is Michelle Spiva, your daily host of Wisdom Smack and Practical Priests of Wisdom. And I want to invite you to stick with me today as we start getting into some of the ins and outs of how to navigate when there's a whole bunch of double speak, nothing seems clear, and it's just a whole bunch of, uh, you know, gobbledygook. And so join me on the flip as we start breaking it down to how to see through ambiguity. It's going to be good. I'll see you on the flip. All right, let's get to it. So today we're going to be talking about seeing through ambiguity. And what I want you to focus on is you want to make sense of uh, the wishy-washiness of what's around you. Um, And the reason why I'm talking about this and, and wanting to give a little wisdom smack here is because looking at a lot of the trends, I am seeing where people are frustrated with indirect answers where they can be misconstrued or taken to mean a number of things. And therefore, that's ambiguity. So let's just start out with our scope of how we're going to be looking at ambiguity today. And um, the traditional understanding of ambiguity still holds true, and that is that you uh, it is um, when there is uncertainty in the in the message, there's doubtfulness of the meaning or the intention of what's being presented. It can also be that unclear and indefinite uh, expression of meaning meaning. What someone does or what some something portrays can be misconstrued or read in many different ways, and it doesn't even have any one way that uh, stands out from any of the others. So when we're talking about ambiguity in your life, we're talking about when something is unclear and nothing seems to stand out to give us any indicator of what it's really saying. And it's a frustrating situation to be in. And it's frustrating because most of the time, our lives are depending on having the right information, the right data to make the decisions to help us to move in the direction we need for even our very survival. And so let's let's get to a few things that will hopefully help all of us to see through ambiguity. So I've broken this down into three little sections to help us chunk this down. So talking about decision-making, making good choices, and recognizing patterns is what we're going to be covering today. So let's talk about decision-making first. So a decision is a conscious choice between two or more alternatives where that choice is final. And even our biology is set up 
to encourage us to make decisions. And the reason uh, for that is because making a decision helps us to get more clarity. I'll be talking a little bit about that when we get into making good choices. But when you make a decision, that means in the very word decision or decide, side, C-I-D-E, means to kill, to cut off, to separate. So when you D, you mean you cut in two and you choose one of them and then the other ones go away. Our bodies, when we make a decision to to do something, our bodies help us to commit where our actual bodies start uh, preparing or moving even sometimes before our brain can catch up. Ever had to go to the bathroom really badly? And uh, you might have been doing something, playing a game, watching a sport or something. And before you know it, you've stood up and you're on your way to the restroom. And you're like, oh, okay. That's an example of decision making, um, the power of it. And when we are uh, wanting to make our decisions, our decisions help us to gain clarity, gain focus, gain uh, certainty and confidence to keep going. Because the more you make decisions and the more you work towards them, the higher the percentage of the decision paying off uh, you get. And if you get a higher percentage of making a good decision, you gain confidence in yourself. And so the body, it's all, you know, evolution, the body, wisdom, all of them, they're all in in on it. They all want us to make decisions and trust in ourselves and do what is instinctive. But when you have ambiguity, oh my gosh, it's hard to make a decision because nothing seems to come forward. Nothing waves and says, pick me. I'm the decision. None of that. And it's very frustrating. And when you're really looking at the diabolicalness, if that's even a word, of ambiguous uh, information or situations, it's frustrating because not only can it be uh, misinterpreted of of what it means, it can also be two or more things at one time. It can be that it means for you to pursue a goal or seek after a goal or It can a lot of times mean that the goal is being met or that this is where uh, this is what you use to get the goal. And so I hope you can sense how frustrating that can be, whether you realize it on a conscious level or not. When you deal with ambiguity, especially in the decision making process. It weakens your confidence and it weakens your ability to take action. So a lot of people are feeling very impotent right now and helpless, uh, stymied and stuck. And they don't realize it's because there's too much information that can be misconstrued or taken in so many different ways. And there doesn't seem to be any kind of indicator of how to fix it. So when we're when you're in that situation, when we're in that situation, wisdom steps in and wisdom starts to give you some types of parameters. And those parameters are this. If you're not able to engage in decision making. So 
When I say seeing through ambiguity, we're talking about decision making, making good choices and recognizing patterns. The first thing, because we're going to be we're unpacking this and I should have said this at the beginning. We're unpacking this to go down to kind of exclude all the things until we, you know, figure out something. So if you're at that point where you are able to make a decision still, you are able to follow through with it and with confidence and get uh, whatever the goal is you want, good for you. But if you can't, if it's six one way, a half dozen another, and you can't see your way through to even make the decision, then the next thing you need to do is try to make good choices. Now, there, um, there is a, um, a, a, a television show that came out on Hulu uh, based on a book called um, Fire, Little Fires Everywhere. And one of the main characters says something to the other character that I thought was very provocative. Uh, and I, it was so provocative, it made me like say, whoa, okay, I see more clearly. And what it, what it was is it was two mothers of, of, of teenage daughters. And one of them, um, the wealthy one, was uh, being very condescending to the one who was impoverished. And then there was also racial tension uh, between the two as well. And so the impoverished one says to the uh, privileged and entitled one, uh, she says, uh, you didn't make good choices. You had good choices. Options that being rich and white and entitled gave you. And like I said, I had to ponder on that. And not because of the B part, but the first part. It says that you didn't make good choices. You had good choices. And so looking at where we are today, a lot of us with these ambiguities don't have good choices. And yet and still, we must make good choices. There is also another paraphrase along those lines uh, when people are looking in hindsight and trying to be condescending on, on others uh, that goes something like this. Do not judge me because you did you do not know the resources I had available to me at the time. And Making good choices when you don't have good resources, you don't have good choices to choose from is akin to this ambiguity that we're talking about. If you don't have good data, if you don't have good information, you're almost sunk. And so it's almost like a crapshoot to try to even make a choice because ambiguity it makes it unclear and you don't know which way is up or down. And so there are a lot of people who are frustrated as well because they're used to having something to work with. Have you ever had that um, feeling where you're like, I don't know what to do because there are no good choices. (laughs) None of it looks good. If that's the case, then that's where you are. You're trying to see through and make it through ambiguity, but there are no real good choices to even make a choice out of. And it's hard to try to turn a sow's ear into a silk purse, if you will. So then the next one is, excuse me, to get to the point where you take the bull by the horns and you start to do your own due diligence, your own vetting, your own uh, working through the situation to make sense of it. 
And that's where we get down to pattern recognition. And I have, I've been consciously working on my pattern recognition for a while now. And the reason why is because I understood finally a few years ago that I would never be able to achieve the things I wanted to waiting on other people to make my data and my resources palatable for me. I had to get better at sorting through the raw data to do what I need to. Now, let me say something about pattern recognition and why it's so important. I talked the other day about quantum computing and I talked about machine learning. And I talked about how uh, there is, um, um, Ray Kurzweil talked about uh, the singularity, the singular event where AI would make the leap to where we would no longer be able to keep up with its computing power or its learning ability. And at the base of machine learning is, you guessed it, pattern recognition. So how this works is you give a computer a few items and you don't give them any information. Ambiguity, right? And so what that computer does is that computer remodels the relationship between the items that you give it. And as it starts remodeling and putting them in different combinations, it starts to learn. And as it starts to learn, it starts to incrementally add more stuff onto it. Excuse me, I didn't mean to hit my microphone, but it adds more stuff to it so that it starts to be able to predict and to make conclusive outcomes a little bit more and a little bit more to the point where it can be very eerily accurate in what it's able to do when it interacts with you. And therefore, you have this thing called the singularity that Ray Kurzweil talked about. I also bring this up because even though the computers do pattern recognition, they are also programmed to do what we are supposed to do. And that is to allow for randomness, to allow for outliers, and to allow for error. Um, and when I, like I said, when I started looking at, at pattern learning and how to become proficient at it, it was, it was a daunting task because there's so many different ways to articulate it. There's so many different ways to learn it, many different schools of thought. They can't even figure out the different types of pattern learning. Yeah, it's, it's based on most people's simple interpretations of how do you go about pattern learning? But one thing I did find that people tended to agree on in the process of pattern learning, and this process is what they did use. You know, if you're thinking about IBM's Watson and you're thinking about um, uh, customer service AI that now can talk to you and you're thinking you're talking to a real person, what they did was is they, they, they did this uh, machine learning and they broke it down into two schools of thought. Now, bear with me. I'm going to use some terms here, but I'm going to make them make sense in a minute. And what they did was is they looked at convolutional networking or networks and recurrent or recursive networks. Now, a convolutional network, it doesn't sound, I mean, it doesn't mean like it sounds. It doesn't mean that it's convoluted. It simply means that as more data is fed in, it takes its assumptions forward across multiple steps. Um, and it looks for like any kind of uh, 
cross-correlation. It looks for any kind of pooling of results and it, it, it learns as it goes. Now, convolutional networks, we are inherently made to do that. When you meet someone for the first time and you don't know what to expect, you take it a little tentatively. As you spend more time learning and interacting with them, you take it forward a little bit more. You possibly move from the formal to the informal of dealing with the person because you are engaging in the deep learning that is called convolutional neural networking. Okay. But then, there is this other side, like I said, because these computers were based off of how we think. And if a computer can do it and we taught them how to do it, guess what? We can do it and we can make sense of this ambiguity to us to a certain extent. So with the recurrent neural networks, uh, they're used to find these patterns in uh, like our temporal dynamic, uh, such as when we talk about uh how people speak and how things evolve over time and so we're we're learning not just by moving forward but we're now learning when we talk about recurrent or recursive networks we're talking about learning from our environment okay so let me repeat those really quickly um, there are two ways that we taught our AI to learn and they are based off of how we already learn. When you talk about convolutional networking, it's where you're learning as you go and you're moving forward in multiple steps, doing cross, you know, correlations and uh, learning uh, to take a little more advancement forward based on what you know from this step. And then the recurrent or the recursive type of way we network our brains is where we start bringing in things. There is a statement that says that true science is inspired from every direction. And therefore, you can't just look at uh, how to make sense of the ambiguity by trying to only use convolutional networking or only using recurrent and recursive networking. You got to use them both because convolutional moves you forward. Recurrent looks all around. And because of that, we are very powerful and how we can understand things. Oh, yes, we are. If you don't believe me, think about the last time you went somewhere. And okay, think about the last time you were out um, in the midst of a lot of people. And I know that might be cruel, but that's what's coming up for me. Uh, say, for instance, you went to a, a professional sporting event and there are a lot of people. Think about you walk up, you've not maybe been to the stadium before, but you, you finally, you know, park your car and you walk up and people are milling about. The signage is okay, but you want to make sure that you're not doing something that's wasteful with your time. So what do you do? You look at the direction that people are moving into and you see them queuing up for certain lines. You might look and see attendance out and you might notice that they are wearing different color jackets. And then you glean from how they're interacting with the people, which jackets, colors or types mean that they can give you information or they can help you advance to get what you want. This is recurrent. So you're looking at moving forward as well as being able to glean from your environment what to do next. And you did it without even having to stop and think. When we deal with making sense and seeing through the ambiguities, 
We have to realize that we we don't have to be stumped by what's going on. We can just fall back naturally into our own version of machine learning. Now, really quickly, I'm going to talk a little bit about how to do this the most straightforward way as possible. Okay? And if you're still with me, thank you. All right? So they, a lot of people will agree that there are uh, different types of uh, pattern recognition. And with this pattern recognition, they've tried to, like I said, put it down into the least amount, but they still can't agree on all of them. So for simplicity's sake, I grab some that are more user-friendly, intuitive, if you will. So types of pattern recognition, linguistic. Linguistic is words to meanings. Think of parables, metaphors, and the like. Then you have abstract, and that abstract is going to be where you have people who are good synergizers, where they can pick stuff that don't seem like it fits, put it together, and it makes perfect sense. Then you have your temporals, as we talked about before. That's going to be the large-scale environmental stuff. Then you have social, and most people Normally, if they are not socially awkward, if they're able to interact with people um, in a fairly convincing social way, if if they have a, a certain amount of empathy, meaning that they, they're not challenged with um, a, a psychopathy or, um, you know, any kind of pathologies that would cause them to be anti or um, outside of the bell curve you're going to be able to pretty much recognize social patterns. And then there's spatial. And that spatial, a lot of times you're going to find that if you've spent time interacting with your environment, especially people who love nature, bird watching, um, uh, looking at leaves and shells and, 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 and the like, you'll be really good at spatial. Now, a word about spatial. This is where some trains of thought will say, if things don't make sense to you in the world, start with upping your sense of spatial pattern recognition because nature reveals all. And to an extent, I totally agree. We have many stories and accounts of Benjamin Franklin, of Newton and others observing nature and being able to take what nature taught by studying and recognizing nature's patterns to be able to solve things and understand things. Uh, Heck, we have people who use uh, the way nature uh, uh, does things as an architect to then make technology that's biologically based off of what nature does. When you look at the way we fly and glide through the air, when you look at how uh, the perceptions of drones and, and um, other technologies that are, uh, are becoming prevalent more and more each day, you can directly correlate them back to the spatial pattern recognition that people have used to observe what's going on. Now, I don't want to just harp on, oh, these are the different types and, and all of this. I really just want to get to the point where you got something that you need to do, right? And you don't know what's going on. You don't know how to make heads or tails of it. The first thing I want to do is I want you to figure out what is similar. Anything about the information that you're working with, is there any kind of similarity in it? 
okay? Because if you can see something that's similar or something that's recognizable, I want you to start to look at are there any other different kinds of situations, modes, or filters that you are familiar with in your life that this similarity can be akin to or put you in remembrance of? The next thing is, is to go the opposite direction and look for what's different. Look for stuff that you've not dealt with before. Stuff that is like, hmm, I don't, I don't get that. All right. Look at those types of things and make note of, boy, this is out of my wheelhouse. I don't have a sense of what's going on here. Make note of that too. Then the next thing is, is look for, are there ways that you can connect what you find similar based on what you know in your life and now what you find different that you can connect the two? And after that, look for, are there any kind of patterns or underlying uh, similarities or differences that you can now take from what you know from your past experiences and transform it or stamp it onto the situation you're dealing with. This is a pattern of uh, recognition that when uh, people are, are, are trying to find patterns, they do. And so similarity and difference is going to be the, the easiest way to approach what you're looking at. And then connection and transformation is going to be the next way. And you can just think of them like on two different axes where you can try to look at how do I connect my similarities with my differences? And then how do I transform my connection of these similarities and differences onto what's going on? And what that will start to do is it'll start to help you to have this ability to see uh, what's the same and what's different. And being able to extrapolate out, pull out what's what's similar to you and what's different will whittle it down to where you can exclude out the differences if it's easier for you to work on the similarities. And by way of doing that, you will immediately start figuring out how to start making sense of it and your particular way of pattern recognition, whether it's linguistic, abstract, temporal, social, or spatial, will kick in. I'm only giving you these so that you can have some type of way to name it because when you can name something, you can gain power and uh, control and management over it. And so once you're able to uh, look at what's the same or what's different, then you're able to look at at the different types of information that you're receiving and even the different types of data that's coming at you because you know what's similar and you know what's different. And this is the part that I like, and I'm not saying that AI can't do this, but what I am saying is, is that we have a certain amount of creative tension that presses against what we're taking in to help us to make unique correlations or a synthesis between the experiences that we have stored in our brains, in our muscle memory or whatever, that help us make sense of what we're now encountering. There is no accounting for the power of our creative. And the uh, reason why I know everybody is creative, because if you can communicate, that's a form of creation. Whether you're able to verbally speak, write, hum, uh, sign, you know, sign language or whatever, 
That is the creative power that we have. And that creative tension on when you come up to something that's unknown or ambiguous starts to help you make sense of it. So we are the greatest at machine learning on the fly because at the heart of this pattern recognition that you're going to be engaging in to make sense of this ambiguity is your ability to hold uh, the what is same and what is different at the same time and then be able to draw those connections and apply the transformations to the connections. I see it all the time. Um, I told a story of um, one time I was traveling abroad uh, in Germany and I had wrongly assumed that because it was late at night, I was at the airport, that the escalators weren't working until I um, decided <laughs> to look around to see if anybody else was here uh, to see if they were using them or or if I could figure out something. Only to behold, a family walked up to the escalator. They paused and a sensor noticed that they were there and the escalator started moving. And then I was able to do it. Now, that was the genesis of me understanding that in that particular country, they were all about energy conservation and that things worked, but they worked when they needed to work. And so from then on, uh, matriculating around in that in that country, I was able to take what I had learned from the airport and then use it when I was parking the car and uh, paying for parking. Um, when I went uh, to exchange monies and uh, do financial transactions and the whole gamut, because what seemed to be unclear, fuzzy, you know, there's an escalator, but does the escalator, you know, have a time clock where it, you know, it doesn't work after a certain while. I was able to take what I learned there and do this whole process that I'm talking about here to help myself to learn and to be able to understand how to work in this new environment. So let's break this down. If you made it to this point, what we're really saying is, is when you find things that have multiple meanings or don't have much meaning at all, go through your process. Try to do your decision making first. If you can if you can make a choice, I mean excuse me, make a decision, meaning you choose one thing and and make it go. Go with that because that's going to continue to strengthen your ability to have confidence in yourself and you're going to work bodily, mentally, and otherwise to make sure it works out. But if you just really don't have enough information, nothing makes sense, then make try to make some good choices. And the fact that things are ambiguous means that the, the information and the data you have is not good data, eh, you may or may not be able to make those choices, but that's okay because you do have a fallback plan. And that plan is to start recognizing patterns. And the way you're going to start recognizing patterns is to start figuring out what's the same and what's different. Figure out if something is the same, why does it feel the same? What have you had in your previous experience that you can attach to that? And then what's different and make a connection between the two. 
so that you can then transform your connection between what's the same and what's different based on your experience to now put it on the new experience so you can move forward. And the wonderful thing about doing these types of pattern recognitions is that your natural gifting of how you pattern recognize will kick in and you will get to moving forward. So that is how you start seeing through ambiguity. So guess what? My time is up. I thank you for yours. This has been Michelle Spivey, your Practical Priestess of Wisdom, with another podcast of Wisdom Smack. And that's going to do it for today's podcast of Wisdom Smack with Michelle Spiva. If you like this podcast, please help us get the word out. Like, comment, subscribe, and even share. And if you really like it, please help us continue to get the word out by considering using this show's link for Amazon. So when you want to go to Amazon and you do all of your general shopping, Uh, please use michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. It's simple as that. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And this show might receive a little bit of commission that will go towards helping to further get these episodes out to you and to others. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Smack. Bye.